Hello and welcome to the REOG Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stress and distress, restructuring and post-reorg in the European SEMIA markets. It's Tuesday, July the 5th. I'm Giulia Rusconi. And I'm Richard Woolley. Coming up this week, legal analyst Shankareshi talks about the English High Court's recent judgment on the winding up of Galapagos SA. Head of credit research Noor Sahir joins us to discuss what's next for German discount retailer Taco as it faces a maturity wall in 2023. And EMEA Covenant's legal analyst Topi Adesanya gives investors a heads up about an increasingly common carve out in bond and loan documentation. First though, we're going to hear from staff writer Katerina Dassi, who spoke to editor Robert Schack about the past week in the European primary market. Hi Rob, we had a bit of activity in primary last week. What is the state of the market this week? Hi Kat. So last week we had Afidea, which got a 600 million uh, term loan B away, which part funded its buyout by GBL. But like all recent deals, it had to pay up quite a bit, and in the end came with the 94 OID compared to 95-96 range um, initial guidance, and the margin was 500 bips, which was the wide end of guidance. Um, It was a diagnostics imaging company, so it benefited from being in the defensive healthcare sector. And people also liked the fact that the deal was structured very conservatively. It came with a 63% equity check, which is uh, pretty chunky. That said, um, there were some concerns around the deal too. Um, Partly was its uh, geographic exposure. Um, It was pretty strong, or mainly concentrated in countries like Greece, Italy and Portugal, which all um, are facing some sort of question marks over the economic outlook, so that was a bit of a concern. And the other big um, thing that people were worried about with this, with this credit in particular was margin pressure, because it has a huge amount of sort of medical staff with doctors and, and radiologists and things like that. Um, and their salaries, their combined salary bill accounts for roughly 40% of, the, of, of group revenues, which is quite big. So with um, labor inflation and, and, and salary inflation, that will have a big impact on their, on, on their margins. Um, but overall, people did like the deal quite a, quite a bit. So one thing that was quite surprising um, about the deal is that it came with a fairly aggressive documentation package, which was largely based on the last tap it did in July 2021. Um, and despite the current weakness in the market, that w- that wasn't sort of changed materially. The only real sort of additions were sort of more economical, with some ticking fees and an extension of the um, the soft call protection to 12 months from six months. The other deals in the market last week were both in the gaming sector, which was 888, which had a 1 billion sterling equivalent multi-currency um, loan and bond deal, um, which is still marketing. Um, that got extended into this week. Um, and the other deal is um, Gaming One, which has got a 300 million euro term loan, where commitments are due tomorrow. However, both deals seem to be struggling, so it won't be surprising um, if they end up being postponed. So why has the market weakened again? The main thing has sort of been the, the, the sort of the general sort of risk of background. Last week, the ITREX crossover widened over 50 bips and ended up ended the week at close to the sort of 600 uh, basis point level. Um, on the high yield side, funds continue to be hit by heavy outflows, and over the last month, the asset class has pretty much lost 3% um, of its total AUMs. And on the on the on the loan side, there's no new CLOs coming to market, so issuance has dried up on that side. So in that context, it's um, not surprising that we've not seen any new deals announced this week. We have been following German fashion retailer Taco for some time now. 
Its business was severely affected by lockdown measures, but after restrictions were lifted, Taco's revenue recovered faster than, than expected, and this sort of boosted its refinancing prospects. Now, investors have started to worry again about the company's ability to refinance its 2023 maturities because the primary market remains choppy and the group is exposed to raw material inflation and energy costs. And Noor, could you give us an overview of what's next for TACO in the context of its 2023 maturity wall and the weak primary market? Yes, sure. Since the earnings call last week, the bonds have fallen about 15 points to 63, as TACO increasingly faces a prospect of a restructuring to address its 590 million of maturity wall in 2023. As the primary market remains challenging, the group has two broad restructuring options. It could either do a simple amend and extend, or it could do a more invasive restructuring, which could involve a partial equitization or a haircut on the bonds. Interesting that there are talks for a partial equitization. How, how likely is that, and what are the motivations of the sponsor? It's my understanding that the bonds are now mostly held by relatively opportunistic funds with Silverpoint holding a majority of the bonds. We have heard that Silverpoint is considering a debt for equity swap as one of the options. However, I think it's unlikely that the sponsor Apex, which has owned the company since 2010 and has invested $1 billion of equity into the business, would just give up. The sponsor may be inclined to support the business and keep its equity. Thank you, Noor. A REOG's up-to-date waterfall model and restructuring options on TACO will be available on our website soon. The English High Court handed down an important decision in the Galapagos restructuring dispute last week. Shankareshi followed the proceedings and I asked him how the decision affects the group and what precedents there were for the market at large. So, by way of background, Bearings and Goldman Sachs appeared before the English High Court in May and they were seeking a winding up order against the Galapagos entity. Now, this is two years after the company first applied to enter into administration in England. So, what had happened is other creditors, including Signal, had contemporaneously, two years ago, appointed insolvency practitioners over the same Galapagos entity but in Germany. And following numerous German and European court hearings, it was decided that the German appointment was not yet was not valid under the recast insolvency European regulation. Now that regulation was still in force in the UK when the English winding up petition was made. This was before uh, the sort of Brexit withdrawal day. Now the question of whether the German or English courts had jurisdictions to wind up the Galapagos entity is made particularly more complicated by the fact, as I mentioned, that Brexit had taken place. When the original winding up petitions were made in 2019, the recast European insolvency regulation was still in force in England. So in May of this year, the English court was tasked in deciding whether the recast regulation applied to the sequence of events. If the recast regulation did not apply and the German proceedings were not main proceedings, whether the English court had jurisdiction to make a winding up quarter in respect of Galapagos. And then assuming it did have a jurisdiction, whether the English court should exercise its discretion to make a winding up order. And then finally, whether it was necessary or appropriate for the English court to wait for the German courts uh, to take any steps in light of the European court judgment. Now, the English court judge, Justice Bacon, handed down her decision last week in favour of Bearings and Goldman Sachs. The judge essentially made a winding up order for, for the Galapagos entity. 
She decided that the recast regulation did not apply and the English court now had jurisdiction under the new UK insolvency regulation, let's call them the UK regulations. The, the judge did not agree that the English court had to wait for the German court or any European court before it took any steps. Justice Bacon also provided really helpful guidance on what basis the English court could make a winding up order in respect of a foreign company. She explained that the UK regulations retain the concept of COMI, or Centre of Main Interests, as a jurisdictional basis for when proceedings can be commenced in the UK. Now, in short, a company's COMI is presumed to be located at the place of its registered office. This is the same as under the recast regulation jurisprudence. Now, alongside this jurisdictional battle between the German and English courts, the Galapagos uh, entities are also seeking a declaration that the 2019 restructuring complied with the provisions of the group's then intercreditor agreement. Uh, and this is being uh, pursued before an English court expected to be heard in 2023. Signal again opposes this declaration and has also commenced proceedings of its own in a New York court, challenging the 2019 restructuring. Signal has also commenced proceedings in the German court and Luxembourg courts, where it alleges that, amongst other things, the 2019 restructuring was fraudulent. So watch this space. We expect a few more years of litigation in the US, German and Luxembourg courts. REORG's EMEA Covenants team provides expert legal analysis and data on European high-yield bonds and leveraged loan covenants and structures. Earlier, I spoke to one of their senior analysts, Topi Adesanya, about a new trend in documentation that she thinks investors should watch out for. As investors become more focused on potential avenues for value leakage from the borrowing group, especially in these times of economic uncertainty, they may want to pay particular attention to a seemingly innocuous carve-out in the asset sale definition. This carve-out is now present in most high-yield bond asset sale covenants or in leveraged loan agreements that adopt a high-yield bond covenant package. The carve-out allows the borrower group to redirect asset sale proceeds from use for deleveraging or reinvestment as required under the asset sale covenant to instead make restricted payments or permitted investments as long as the group has restricted payments or investment capacity. The implication is that investors are not assured that asset sale proceeds will be used to deliver or reinvest in the business where this carve-out is present and in the face of the sponsor intent on extracting value. So investors should watch out for this carve-out. More information on all of the situations and events discussed in the podcast today are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening. <music>